0: Well, good morning. So uh, we're going to switch things up a little bit this morning because uh, we want to, um, all the people that come in late, we want to freak them out and they're like, oh, I'm way late this morning. He's already preaching. Um, no, we, uh, uh, we're going to uh, change things a little bit. We're going to do some uh, extended time of worship on the back end of the, the sermon this morning, back end of the message. So uh, if you are like, I'm out of here because we're not singing enough songs this morning, stay. Because We're going to have an opportunity to worship at the end, um, but, it, but it's going to tie in to what we're, we're learning about this morning, um, uh, what, we're, we're, what God's going to share with us this morning uh, into, um, into that time of worship, so I'm really excited about it, uh, and don't worry, Melissa does a great job with the kids. Uh, they're going to enjoy that more than what they'd enjoy being in here, so it's going to be good. So we also want to say hi to everybody that's on Facebook watching us live this morning. Um, we know that... Uh, Life gets busy, and uh, for various reasons, you can't make it in person, uh, but uh, thank you for joining us in worship, and, uh, um, and I hope that, that you, you have a, a great worship experience with us. But you know, I do say that life gets busy, and life gets busier and busier, and I, I feel like um, every day, something new comes up, and I wake up in the morning, and I start my day, and I've got it all planned, and I know that I'm going to have this amount of time, just to kind of be to myself to get some some things done that I've been wanting to get done. And then, like, 11 o'clock at night happens, and that has never happened. Like, because my life just gets busier and busier and busier. And I know that many of you are that way. um, And no matter how hard we try to schedule some time in, it never happens. And so that makes it really difficult when we talk about being all in. How do we take all in and make it a lifestyle? How do we move it from just a Sunday morning experience, just a Sunday morning experience that we're here for an hour, maybe two, two and a half hours if we come to Life Connection Group? And how do we make being all in our whole life? How do we make it our whole life? How do we take what we what we hear on Sundays, what we feel that God's telling us on Sundays, and do we take it and create a community that knows Jesus intimately and proclaims Jesus confidently. How do we do that? And that's what we're going to look at this morning because when we, when we can figure that out, that's when it all changes for us. That's when, when we, the community that we live in begins to see that First Baptist Mason is living out this motto of a community that knows Jesus intimately and proclaims Jesus confidently. That's what God is calling us to do, and now I believe he's going to teach us how to do that. Matthew 16, 24, I shared this verse with you before. It says, And Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And I've said that's what being all in is. We get to this point that we we say... It's not about me anymore. It's not about my comforts. It's not about my preferences. It's about following Jesus. It's about denying everything that I want and doing what he wants for me. It's a lifestyle. And when we read that verse, Matthew 16, 24, that says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The easiest definition or the easiest way I can say this to get, for, for, to be understandable of what this means is our lifestyle has to become a lifestyle of prayer and a lifestyle of worship. A lifestyle of prayer and a lifestyle of worship because those two go hand in hand in everything that we do. One is the internal and one is the external. When we live a lifestyle of prayer and a lifestyle of worship, internal things are happening and external things are happening. And so, we're going to focus on the internal to begin. So let's look at the prayer is the internal. And, and, and what do I mean when I say that prayer is internal? Well, because, you know, one of the, one of the most commonly said things to me as a pastor, when I talk to somebody who, who either is brand new in the faith, is maybe somewhere along their journey, or they're very, very established in their faith and they're growing in Christ, they say to me two things. The first thing is, I'm very uncomfortable praying out loud. Does that resonate with anybody? I don't want anybody to hear me pray. I don't know what to say. I'm very uncomfortable praying out loud. But part of that uncomfortableness, part of that uh, lack of confidence in praying out loud, is they really, if you were to push them to it, they don't know how to pray or they don't really know what prayer is. But prayer is the internal conversations that we have with God. Prayer is how we know Jesus intimately. We know about the gospel, we can read the scriptures, we can study the scriptures, and we can learn things from the scriptures, but it's in our prayer life that we begin to know Jesus intimately. It's where we begin to know God intimately, where he begins to reveal himself. And so Billy Graham says this, and I think Billy Graham's a great person to to learn about prayer from. He says, true prayer is a way of life. It's not just for use in cases of emergency. Make it a habit, and when the need arises, it will be in practice. And I can't tell you how many times in my life, usually um, when I was in high school or college or seminary, that I had a test coming up that I didn't study for, and I spent... The night before in the morning of not studying but praying, God somehow let me pass this test. And felt like he was going to show up for me. Or we get into a moment that there's a health crisis and we've been so far from God and we haven't been paying, atten- uh, paying the attention to him that's that needed through our prayer life. And then a crisis happens and we get on our knees and pray and we don't even know where to start. Like, is he even hearing me? And, and if you watch TV shows, you know, the, the famous line is somebody will start to pray, and they're like, God, it's me. No, it's been a while. You remember me? You ever seen anything like that? Or you ever felt that way when you pray? When we practice, when we make a prayer our, our way of life, it becomes a habit. And it's not a in case of emergency. It's a lead me. Give me the foundation. Teach me about who you are, God, in my prayer life. Reveal yourself to me so that I can have a solid foundation to lean on. Martin Luther, he says, To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. And I will tell you personal transparency here. The times that I feel farthest from God, I can look and see where my prayer life is with God. I can be in the scriptures on a regular basis. I can be worshiping, listening to Christian music on the radio. Um, I pay for XM for one station, it seems like. I can do all the things, all the check boxes that you're supposed to do to be growing in Christ. And if my prayer life is not there, I feel farther away than I ever have. Because it's, it's the internal, intimate way to get to know God. And some things happen when you pray. The first thing that happens when you pray and you have a strong prayer life is you are personally transformed. You become a Christian you don't know where to start. And, 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 and I tell people to start reading in the book of John, but then you also need to start learning how to pray. You're personally transformed. And in Luke chapter 9, verse 29, it says, As he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. This is the transfiguration. Jesus went and was praying and having a personal conversation with God the Father. And when he came down, he was changed. He glowed. He was, he, he, he was transformed. The prayer for us, our prayers personally transform us. How do they transform us? Well, one, they give us confidence in the promises of God. They give us pro- confidence in the promises of God because we learn more about him. Two, it transforms us from anxious worriers to people full of peace. Have you ever worried so much about something? Might be a financial issue or a medical issue or a marital issue uh, with your, with your, in, in your relationship with your spouse, and you're just so worried and anxious and then you spend some time in prayer, or you gather with some other believers and specifically pray for that situation. And how do you feel after that? There's a peace that surpasses all understanding that comes over you. The problem might not be solved, but you feel differently about it. You're transformed. Lisa Turkhurst, who's an author, writes this. She says, the reality is my prayers don't change God but I am convinced prayer changes me. Praying boldly boots me out of that stale place of religious habit into authentic connection with God himself. And when you have that authentic connection with God himself, when you connect with him intimately, it changes you. And if you look all throughout scripture, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Testament when, they would, when, when someone would have a personal interaction with Yahweh, with the Lord, God the Father, they were transformed. They were changed They became bold Their lives were completely different In the New Testament When they would have an interaction with Jesus When he was on earth They were changed They were transformed And because we have received the Holy Spirit When we give our lives to Christ We are transformed When we pray and have a personal Intimate interaction with God through prayer It changes us The second thing it does is God is divinely revealed to us. He's divinely revealed to us. We learn who he is. All throughout scripture, you see in the Psalms, in the prayers of the Psalms, when they're uh, prayers of both praise and prayers of, uh, of distress, God reveals himself. God shows his promises. The prophets so often were revealed, things that revealed from God to them through prayer. Every, prof, every, every book of a prophet has a prayer in it that God speaks to them. We're personally transformed. God divinely reveals himself. And we're spiritually rejuvenated. Prayer brings revival in our lives. It rejuvenates us. You look at Psalm 51. David asked for God's forgiveness. And many scholars believe that this is probably after the death of the man that he murdered, uh, he commanded to be murdered. David asked for God's forgiveness. And in this psalm, in Psalm 51, one of the, a very famous psalm, he has this line. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Renew me. Rejuvenate me. Bring revival inside of me. Because revival outside the walls of the church doesn't happen unless revival happens inside the heart of us. And so when we get into our prayer life, when we get on our knees and pray, God spiritually renews us. And all of those three things when it comes to prayer are in preparation for the fourth thing that prayer does is it allows us to battle the enemy. It allows us to attack spiritual warfare. It allows us to protect it. If you look at Ephesians 6, 18 and 19, Paul is talking about the um, armor of God in, in Ephesians. And he says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. That's the seventh part of the armor of God that Paul talks about is pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel how do you defeat spiritual warfare you preach the gospel and how do you feel confident in preaching the gospel you learn about who God is And you pray for boldness. And you pray for boldness for those that are called to go and proclaim it publicly on a platform or a stage or whatever. And for those that are going to go and have one-on-one conversations with people. You pray for them because the enemy, when when they're going into the mission field, when they're going into um, uh, dark, dark places, they need all the prayer they can get. Prayer is vital in the battle against the enemy. So, how do we pray? Well, Jesus gives us a couple examples in the Gospels of how to pray. In the book of Matthew, Matthew 7 7, it says, he says, Ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. So, how do we pray? We ask. We ask for forgiveness we ask for God to show up we ask for God to reveal himself we seek or we not, we seek and we, we look for the things that God is telling us we look for God's promises in prayer and then we knock we're asking for him to continue to reveal and grow us he also gives us in Matthew 6, 9-13 and you should know this I mean, even if you're not a believer you probably know this it's the Lord's Prayer and, and, and Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that is, is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He's teaching us how to pray. We're to pray in worship. We're to bring thank, praise to God's name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name your name is greater than anything else start your prayer life praising God for what he's done in your life and thanking him you're asking him to do his will and that's a dangerous ask if you're not ready for it because that's what's going to take you out of your comfort zone God you are awesome I put my faith in you you've done all these great things now I ask for you to do my will, your will in my life. It's very, very difficult to get to that point to say, I truly am asking you to do that and I'll do whatever you want me to do. Give us this day our daily bread. Sustain us, supply us, take care of us and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is confession. I'm asking for the, the, the confession I'm asking for forgiveness as I confess my sins to you. And then lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Evil protect me. Protect me from the things that are out there. Protect me from my own self as I fall into this sinful nature that I have inside of me. It's a simple prayer. He gives us a a roadmap for it. when we pray prayers like this, and it doesn't have to be this exact wording, um, sometimes it's really good to pray the traditional prayers from rote memory, but sometimes we've got to pray in our own words, and we've got to pray in a way that connects each of us uniquely to God. Because one of the things I love about being a human is um, each one of us is created in the image of God but there's not 7 billion Brian Collies running around this world. Each of us created is created in the image of God, but each of us is created uniquely to be you. And so when you're created uniquely to be you, that means your relationship with God is your relationship with God, not mine. And so I don't have the same things that are going to connect me to God that might connect you to God. And so my prayers are going to be different than what your prayers might be. It's a beautiful thing about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is it's your relationship and no one else's. And so you can pray boldly and confidently as a child to his parent and not worry about what other people think. Because it's not a prayer for the masses to hear. It's an intimate conversation between you and God. It's internal. That leads us from a community that knows Jesus intimately, knows Jesus intimately in the internal, to a community that proclaims Jesus confidently. And this is where we talk about worship, and worship is the external. Worship is the outward expression of what our prayer life is doing on the inside. As our prayer life transforms us, our worship tr- is transformed on the outside. We worship differently. When we worship, we are proclaiming Jesus confidently. We are proclaiming that God has done something in our life, and we are grateful, thankful, and want everyone to know that by seeing worship. Worship is our response to knowing more and being transformed by God. That's what it is. When we worship, we are so in awe of the greatness of God. And we don't care what the person next to us is saying, the person who sits next to us at work, the people that we come in contact with in restaurants or grocery stores, we just worship God. Why? Well, we're created to worship. God created us to worship. If you look at Isaiah 43, 7, it says, Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Everyone who is called by my name. So every believer who is called by God's name He created for his glory. We're created to worship him. And scripture says that if we don't worship him, then the rocks will cry out. The rocks will cry out. I was listening to a song this weekend that that talked about the trees clap for God's glory. The ocean dances for God's glory. We are made to worship God. We're created in that way, but also our worship belongs to God. It's not our worship. I'm not worshiping myself. I'm worshiping God. It belongs to him. Isaiah 42.8. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. When you worship God, it is God's. It's his. It's not anybody else's. It's not anything else's. And I shared it with you um, a while back. When I when I when I had a, 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 a I, I now realize it was a divine moment, um, and I was at a concert, a worship concert. Um, and they were singing. I can only imagine. And I'd watched the people all all night long. And They were just kind of in. They were dancing. They were singing, celebrating. But then, as soon as I can only imagine came on, every every hand in the room was raised and people were just falling on their knees and and I just was very frustrated because I felt like they were worshipping the song and not worshipping God who was behind the song. And God told me, you know, I want you to feed my sheep and he just continued to repeat that in my life that night. Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And uh, and it was in that I, I began to understand that When we worship, we can't worship the song that's being sung or the word that's being spoken or the notes that are being played or the instruments that are present because it's not their worship. We are worshiping God, the Alpha, the Omega the beginning and the end, the creator of everything who loved me enough to send his son to die on the cross for my sins. And he's the only one that deserves worship and praise. But what happens is we fall into three phases of worship. We fall into three phases of worship. And the first phase of worship that we fall into is idol worship. And and we read the Old Testament and we see them worship idols, which is Baal, and, 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 uh, and they build the Tower of Babel and all this stuff, and, and, and the golden calf, and they're, they're worshiping false idols. And we're like, oh, that's a very apparent thing. Well, Exodus 23 says, You shall have no other gods before me. And we make other gods all the time in our life. It might be our job, our career, it might be our house, our status in the community. It might be our relationships with people. It might be our, how, how big our, our bank account is or our stock portfolio. And those are very easy things for us to say those are idols. But sometimes in the Christian life, we start something for good, and we create an idol without realizing it. We get so focused on getting out of debt so that we can give more to the church that getting out of debt becomes an idol to us. We become so focused on attending Bible study all the time that attending that Bible study becomes an idol instead of what we're actually learning to be able to worship God. We create idols and we worship them when our focus should be on the Heavenly Father. But then we we fall into this trap of idol worship, I-D-L-E, idol worship. And this is one that permeates our churches on a regular basis. All across the world, this idol worship where we come and the only time we worship God is on Sunday mornings. And I was, I was reading a devotional this week, and, and, and the illustration was perfect. And so I just want to use this illustration this morning.
1: Yes, and I'm so, so Not totally yet. excited, man. You play guitar? Not right?
0: yet. Sorry. We'll get there in a second. Sorry, I said illustration, and they're like, boom. <laughs> You're on top of things, Dusty. Thank you. author of this devotional was talking about how they hate musicals. I like musicals. I'm a fan of musicals, but they hated musicals. But as she stepped back and looked at at her life at like 30,000 feet, she said, isn't the Christian life often like a musical? That we go day-to-day to 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 day-to-day just running our lives, and then we show up on Sunday, and we just sing for like 30 minutes. And then just randomly, and then we go back. And I was thinking about that, and I wanted to, to show you what I think a lot of non believers, non churchgoers would look at what church looks like. And it looks a little bit like this. Yeah, but I'm so,
1: so totally excited, man. You play guitar, we're going we're gonna to rock the talent show. Plus, there's like, swing the leg, the line, like that. it's going to be a yeah, like, out this morning. This is move. It's gonna be great.
0: non-christian and you interact with with people who profess to be believers and their life doesn't look any different than yours throughout the week and then on Sunday mornings that breaks out that would feel a little weird right I think it would kind of feel a little weird if I walked in and all of a sudden some choreographed dance happened in here I'd be like who is pranking me right now and what tv show I'm about to be on but Mark 7, 6 through 9 says, And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? It is written, The people honor me with their lips, but their heart is from, far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. When the only time we worship God is on Sunday mornings we fall into idol worship where it's not transformational it's not it's not powerful it's not meaningful we're not giving the due praise that our God deserves but when your worship is a lifestyle that's when things change another thought about this you know It just has occurred to me that when our prayer life isn't right, our prayer life isn't right with God, and our worship is just a Sunday morning worship time, and we're not living a lifestyle of worship, this is where disunity in worship in the church comes into play. And I say that because this is where our preferences become an idol. Versus the expression of our heart to God. Because when your prayer life lines up, the internal lines up, seeking God with everything, knowing Jesus intimately, and the external lines up, our worship is a lifestyle that is boldly, Confidently proclaiming Jesus. Then we fall into the third category of ideal worship. Ideal worship. And this is where we worship the Father in spirit and in truth. We worship the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And our lives live this out on a day-to-day basis. Our world has gotten really good at identifying fake people, and if our life does not matches match the words that are professed on our lip, they identify that really quickly and they discredit us and not only do they discredit one of ourselves, they discredit the whole faith and uh, um, and 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 I'll, I'll just speak very brief, briefly to this, I'm going to, I'm praying about an p- appropriate time to share the whole thing with the church about what's going on in the Southern Baptist Convention right now, but but the, the main scope of it is uh, uh, some of the, the key leadership in the convention, their words aren't matching their actions, and we're not seeing a lifestyle of, of of putting God first, we're seeing a lifestyle of putting themselves first, and and it doesn't necessarily directly affect what's happening in mason texas but what it does is it affects the people that said i will never step foot in a baptist church because of what the baptists have done it just accentuates that it hurts our mission but when we worship the father in spirit and in truth and it's a lifestyle of worship and our prayer life is so strong on the internal that it just pours out of us as a worship lifestyle on the external it's authentic it's organic beautiful. It's powerful. It looks a little something like this.
1: Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God, Our God is, is an awesome God. God. He, reigns he reigns from heaven world above world. with God, our God God is an awesome God, he reigns from heaven above with wings. The world is kind of sleeping Too afraid of them I show up while you're dreaming Nobody, nobody, nobody sees you Nobody, nobody will believe you Every day you try to pick up all the pieces All the memories they somehow never leave you Nobody, nobody, nobody sees you Nobody, nobody will believe you God only knows what you've been through God only knows what they say about you. God only knows how it's killing you. Is there a kind of love that I got? God only knows what you got it.
0: cynic. And when we get to that point in our lives, we've come to the point that we realize that worship is a lifestyle of obedience, not just music. If you look in Genesis chapter 22, Abraham is heading to sacrifice his son Isaac. And he says to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship um, and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife and so went both of them together. Worship is obedience. It's an outpouring of the obedience in internal life. And we worship in everything we do. It's not just singing songs on Sunday morning. 24 7 365 days a year we worship because our God is an awesome God knowing Jesus intimately is prayer and proclaiming Jesus confidently is worship and for us to be a community that changes our community we need to be strong in our prayer and we need to be strong in our worship Because God has changed us and the world needs to know that and I truly believe that as I've said earlier worship is an outward expression it's just a response to what God is doing inside of you so I've asked John to have a time of worship on the back end of the service today back into the sermon so that you can worship in response to what God is doing in your life and some of you might need to spend some time in prayer So the altar is going to be open if you'd like to come kneel at the altar and pray, but but I realize that's uncomfortable. If you just need to sit silently and pray and ask God to show himself to you, to reveal himself to you, do that. If you need to pray while standing so that nobody knows that you're dealing with something, that's okay too. But we're going to have a time of worship now that you can pray, you can worship, but just respond to what God is teaching you. Father, we thank you for The things that you've done for us, for creating us in your image, for recognizing that there was separation from us between our relationship with you, and for sending a solution, sending your son to die on the cross. Can you grab the mic? For the forgiveness of our sins, so that when he rose again, death from the law was defeated, and we can put place our faith in you and have eternal life.